Maybe that's a feeling of agitation caused by the presence or imminence of danger. Why do you think people believe in ghosts? Has anybody ever told you you have a serious impulse control problem? Two. One. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another exciting episode uh, where we are doing and continuing our discussion on the Tunbridge trilogy from Vermont. And uh, the second film in the trilogy of films is, in fact, called Man with a Point. And uh, it was uh, filmed in, what was it, uh, two, was it still? Yes, 1996. So that was four years later than uh, Vermont is for lo uh, Lovers. And uh, uh, it was directed by John O'Brien. Mm -hmm. So, Dan, I uh, just wanted to get your first impressions of, the, of this film. Um, and uh, be, uh, be, uh, before I do, um, I guess it's basically about a man who just decides to... Uh, uh, to, uh, to by the name of Fred T uh, Tuttle, and he's faced with his father's impending hip operation <laughs> and his failing farm, needs to make a six-digit salary with a fourth-grade education. Tenth, sir. Tenth. Okay. U.S. representative for Vermont with a markedly bizarre campaign. Mm-hmm. Will he triumph over the incumbent Bill Blackley? <laughs> that sweet fucking hairdo. <laughs> it's basically about the greatest political campaign ever visited on the face of the planet. Okay? And it all happens in small town Vermont, baby. 
Uh, I don't know. The one that followed was even better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and what were your first impressions of this film going into it? Um, just a good comedy, you know, and, and the fact that it was in my area. Mm-hmm. I, I recognized, you know, a lot of the landmarks and, and the, the way people talk in this area. That was all, mm-hmm. it, it was just like a time capsule to, to witness, you know. Okay. Um, going into, uh, well, Brandon, why, why don't you tell me um, your first thoughts on this particular film? Well, uh, I remember first hearing about it from Dan. I don't remember whether I'd heard about it separately or during this dis- during one of these discussions. I never heard about the trilogy, but I swear I've heard uh, a man with a plan before. It might have been watching Rebel Gaming Club, might just been in a conversation, but I know I've, I've heard it before. And it intrigued me, and so when I finally got a hold of it, I, I, had, to, I had to check it out, but I had to watch uh, Vermontus for Lovers first, which I am thankful I did that first. Because mm-hmm. uh, when I saw Man with the Plan, I, I knew I, I knew it was like, yeah, this is this is the best of the three. There's no way they can top this with the third. <laughs> and uh, it, it really was cool. Uh, I especially identify with it because I've known people like Fred Tuttle. I mean, I grew up in the country, and these these individuals like him are are all over the country. These are older farmers who spent most of their life living in the mountains doing these works. I mean, I've known people who did welding for a living and they would just weld like stuff like farm tools and just uh, we would take our mowers to them. Talked almost, not with that same accent necessarily, but, you know, with that same basic thick version of the local accent. It's just, uh, you know, I could see him. I could have actually seen him going around and saying, you know, screw them all. I'm running for office. And that's just, uh, or, you know, I need some extra money. These, these people make a lot of money. I'm going to go. <laughs> and uh, this is, uh, this to me, I just thought that was just great. I, I read the concept. I was just, I was hooked right away. Okay. Um, going over to you, Jake. Uh, well, what was your first impressions of this film? Well, uh, I have to admit, uh, I'm not 100% sure myself. I feel like this probably was the first one that was brought up in conversation, but so I probably heard about it before I heard about the trilogy as a whole. But um, I, as I said before, with uh, Vermont's for Lovers, this one really came on my map, you know, when it was discussed as, hey, maybe we should do this. You know, Dan, why don't you come present this to us? And, and uh, I had heard all along, I think, that this was the one to watch. And then when I looked at the, when I got it and I looked at it, I was like, oh, yeah, that does look kind of interesting. For the life of me, I cannot remember if I actually heard, I feel like I heard a little bit about the actual real-life follow-up to this when it happened, but I, it, it would have been in passing, probably not, I probably would not have really, really registered it, but I feel like I heard a little bit, um, and we'll get into that as we go on, because I'm fascinated by what this movie actually triggered, <laughs> but um, I, 
I enjoyed it thoroughly. I like a good political comedy. I do like the idea, even though it's clear that Fred and I would have differed on certain issues. Uh, I like his approach to politics very much. The whole, he is, he is honest to a fault. And one could really see that as being his main charm with a lot of voters. They probably are like, yeah. he's probably, he's such a straight shooter. <laughs> you can almost get away with saying anything as long as you prove that you're honest. And, uh, he really does come across as someone who doesn't court the vote by saying what you want to hear. He just says whatever pops into his head. And, uh, yeah. and he is realistic about like proactive approaches to our problems. He's the only politician I've ever seen literally try to dig us out of debt. Okay? And I did like the fact that when asked point blank, why are you running for office? He was like, well, you know... Uh, arthritis got bad and I had to sell the cows. My dad has needs a hip operation, you know. So you know them politicians they make a lot of money. <laughs> and you know, and the ones down there in Washington, they're just wasting it on their jet trips and everything. <laughs> and I was like I, I kinda like that that on the one hand he is taking Washington to task for their excesses but he's also very blatant that he's in it for the money. And <laughs> I, I, I like that approach. And um, I don't really agree with it, but I like it. <laughs> and uh, so it was, a, and he's just a hilarious character. Like I said in our previous discussion, he really does remind me. I mean, the pseudo documentary vibe of these films is probably part of it. Because all the Christopher Guest films star Eugene Levy, most of them are co-written by him. So, yeah. but to me, there is a passing resemblance. But just it, again, I feel like it's an older Eugene Levy who who talks like Boom Hour. I mean, that's kind of and and, and it just uh, and 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 they were talking. Brandon was talking about knowing people. I I worked with a guy that we call Boom Hour because he talked like that. You know, it's kind of. There are people that have that sort of mumblecore way of doing things that just, uh, the idea of a politician talking like that just cracks me up. I think that's hilarious. Um, but I did want to ask Dan, um, you, when you were introduced to this one, was it before or after the actual campaign? Uh, it was It was after. It was after. So had you heard about that first or did you? No, not really. Oh, okay. You know, a lot of this was it was all spoofed in mockumentary style, so it wasn't like this was like a super legit thing. So, unless you were going to the Tunbridge Fair, unless you were around that area at that time when they were filming, I don't think you would have really known about well, it. Well, it's my that two years later he actually did run for office. That's why I was wondering if he'd. Yeah, but he ran for it in a manner of speaking. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's why I was curious. Copies to like everyone. That would have been awesome and just gone and hang this out. That would well, they did it supposedly to promote the film, so it wouldn't surprise me if some copies were handed out that way. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a rad way to get it for sure. Right. Uh, and actually, I remember I have a couple. Yeah, said, this is some totally corner there. 
this is something totally different, but I remember uh, a band was promoting their new single. So I have a couple of cassette tapes from my county fair that were just handed out as a bonus at the fair. I, I could almost see a copy of this film being handed out on VHS, probably with like just a bootleg version. <laughs> I think, I mean, they were selling, they sold a ton right. of movies. I mean, those were everywhere. Nice. The gas station, you could, you know what I mean? It was just, it was abundant. You know, every video wow. store in the area had like an end display on the counter. That's so, awesome. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, it actually uh, reminds me of the, uh, the real campaign reminded me of one uh, that Michael Moore had done uh, on, his, uh, on his series, that he even uh, highlighted again on his series, uh, The Awful Truth. Uh, ficus, where he ran a ficus against the incumbent. Yeah. Just because, I mean, it was actually kind of funny because in the real campaign, the guy actually, he ran as a Republican, he won the, uh, he won the actual primary, and then he endorsed the Democrat afterwards. Yes. <laughs> so he endorsed the ficus? No, no, no. He's no, no. I tell you about the one with the film base, but I love the ficus one because there was a there was a so the ficus actually got quite a few votes. They threw them all what, out. What party was ficus on? I don't remember. I think it was just it was something made up, which was just. I love in this one that Fred is running on the regressive party. Yeah, <laughs> that's the regressive party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's kind of funny how we, uh, how several weeks back that, uh, that we, we went on about uh, um, uh, take the money and run, because that's done in a documentary type style with a narrator, and that's what you get in the first part of this film. You get kind of a documentary, to, uh, a, a mockumentary type mm -hmm. style with a narrator, and you see this man goes through some mistakes that that uh, that he makes so in in a sense i'm looking at this uh, from a woody allen perspective hmm. uh, 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 because uh of the style of filmmaking that uh, that it starts out with i mean it it eventually goes into kind of a a movie kind of a style uh, but it starts out that kind of way uh, at least to me from my perspective uh, kind of like a Schusterman Levine kind of a way. A little bit. Mo, have you done your intro yet? Dan sent the bitch to me in a box. It has a little gold <laughs> sticker on the front of it from some Lebanon, New Hampshire video <laughs> store or some shit. And I, that's never coming off. Um, I watched it and loved it, man. I mean, I never would have thought that there was other movies in the series, and I'm pretty sure Dan didn't fucking tell me, so... <laughs> so <laughs> I just thought this was it. I mean, if you just saw this as a standalone thing, you wouldn't think that there was, like, two other movies that were done that are connected in some way, you know? It just seems like a weird little indie film-type thing that happened, and yeah, I never thought to even look into it, you know? Uh, it's hard not to fall in love with Fred. <laughs> I, I think that that's just a thing you know like if I lived there I would have voted for him for sure just because of some of the stuff he was saying too I love like so many things about the movie it's impossible for me to really quantify it and 
a first impression because right away I was in love with like every fucking thing about the movie, and it's rare mm-hmm. for me to see a movie that I that I watch and I enjoy that much. So thank you, Dan. Mm-hmm. Welcome. Yeah. Um, it truly is a gem, and and you've mm-hmm. done a good service to the world all the times that you've exposed people to that, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's My first impression from it was sort of one of those things where it is like, yeah, you got to like re- recommend this to people. Uh, <laughs> right. And it also helps. I think it does help a little bit more just in general, like just tying it into the new. um, It's almost a shame we couldn't get Dustin on tonight as much as he loves Bernie. Because I feel like this really does help a little bit with getting that whole idea of. I, I feel like I probably understand a little bit more of how he has been as successful as he has. Because. Fred, in the actual campaign, apparently got over 20% of the vote after endorsing his rival in the other party. <laughs> it really makes you wonder. I love how he keeps saying that he thinks this counts as some type of computer error. Right. Like that. that's, a, that's a continual thing in the movie. Like, it could be wrong. Uh, you know. uh, it's just so innocent and honest, you know? I mean, yeah. that's thing i think too if you notice there's the whole running thing in it too where they're republicans you know uh and i think not to be like insulting but i think that a lot of a lot of rural folks that i've encountered Mm -hmm. have a similar grasp of politics as fucking fred it's like totally an innocent like oh he says he's gonna get jobs in the u.s that's a good thing you know like that's that's based. That's how they base their votes a lot. Of. They don't have fucking Twitter, man. You know, this guy's out there. He's reading it in the local gazette. Like even his his plan, his Fred plan. At first, it sounds insane, but it actually is pro uh, jobs in the sense that Dinky. Yeah, Dinky. Just to lay it out for you, yeah. it is friendly, renewable. Yeah extraterrestrial and dinky. Those are the four points that he's running on, and I could not agree more with every one of them. He says at one point it refers to small farms. And at first you think, oh my god, where is he going with this? But then when he says that, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, he's trying to help small local businesses. Yes, he wants to help local businesses. He wants to get rid of the conglomerates. And I'm like, I actually don't really mind that idea. I think that's not a bad plan. Uh, I, I found it, but, but it just says dinky, and he doesn't explain it. You look at him like, huh? <laughs> I didn't even care. Like, you know, dinky. <laughs> you think he's going to Here's my vote. <laughs> But it's so it's, it's like if you thought of it seriously and you worded it eloquently like a politician would, it wouldn't be a bad platform to run on. Right. Right? Where it's like mm-hmm. friendly community outreach, renewable energy, right. you know, interest in science and he, small. Yeah, yeah. He did have. A little, I, did, I did. I did have something to say about the extraterrestrial. The whole idea of we're just going to launch the trash into space, dump all the trash in space. Yeah. 
Get out of our country. Get it up there in space. And then immediately after, he's like, would you like to see me up in space? I love it. Yes, I do, Fred. I want to see you on the next SpaceX mission. I think it's only fitting that we make fucking Elon Musk or whatever put a copy of this on VHS in one of those SpaceX flights so that Fred can at least in some way go to space. Yeah. Yeah, but a lot of the campaign uh, that Fred was doing uh, is exactly the way that uh, that you would uh, go about and campaign too. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, by flyers, by, uh, by poster, yeah. you, you know, word of mouth, and that, uh, that's what he was going by. He was tenacious. He got to get. Yeah, as old as he was, as, you know, he, he had some stamina for this sort of thing. Yeah, he was out there in the streets putting in work, dude, and digging yeah. that hole. That was fucking Man. inspiring. I got a kick out of, of what he did to the uh, guy who uh, went and... Uh, oh, that first reporter. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's stuck in the this for me. <laughs> I'll be right back. I gotta run to the bathroom. I gotta go to the bathroom. I gotta. <laughs> and then he says, the narrator says something like, having taken care of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and actually, um, one thing I did want to say, I wonder if anyone remembers it better than I did, because I remember the broad strokes. I really love the introduction to his decision to run, to go into politics. Because they were talking about, like, the money he needed and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, so he looked. He was trying to find a job. He had a 10th grade education. He was trying to find a job that didn't need any references, didn't need any, uh, uh, didn't have any, um, what am I trying to say, uh, uh, qualifications or you know, anything like that. You didn't need any experience. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, but that also had benefits and paid, you know, I think you said no, six figures. <laughs> <laughs> and, and having struck out in the lawn ass, <laughs> and then it shows a picture of him putting up the sign, vote Fred, or whatever it said. Well, I think at some point there they throw in that bit about and having realized that, you know, eating their own produce doesn't pay the bills or something. Right. <laughs> Exactly, but that, 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 was, good, that, yeah. that was such a great intro. It was such a great setup for oh, the whole. Yeah. One thing that I liked is is when, when the uh, the second reporter came in and started talking to his father, and he yeah. asked him uh, if he would vote for uh, for uh, for Democrat or Republican. He said, "I would vote for whatever." Whatever I thought best. I believe that moment I was like, good answer. I believe you did say I've always voted Republican, but then he did say I vote for the best man. He didn't think he ever confirmed it when the guy asked him. He just said I vote, you know, I vote for the best man or whatever. And that's the thing, again, that touches a little bit on how, I guess, like, people just label them all as Republicans. That's more how country politics works. Like, a lot of the people around here, it seems like they swap around, you know? It depends on who they're fucking with, you know? They're not just... They might not be as well-informed as all of us that are connected to it all the time, but (laughs) they go off of what they hear, and then they... Some of them vote Democrat sometimes, you know? Well, you keep in mind that back in... I mean, Fred is somebody, I mean, the one thing that's a, 
one of the defining traits of these movies is uh, about these older individuals who've been yeah. doing things for years. And yeah. politics has changed yes. a lot. But mm-hmm. keep in mind, in their days, it really was the best man. Just because somebody was running as Republican, they weren't following like they weren't a like slave to the whims of a particular party leader. They they would do what they, if they said they were going to do something. They could run on a platform that would have some similarities with their party, but they could they could uh, move away from it. Same thing with the other. You know, I mean, and that's that's the thing. So you could vote technically for a Republican who might act like a Democrat today, or vote for a Democrat that might act like a Republican today in some areas. And that's yeah. uh, and that's so. Back in those days, voting for the best person really was a thing. You could literally look at somebody and say, "I need to mm-hmm. examine them as people and who is the best person." Also, uh, yeah, there was that scene where where he went to that world uh, that county fair and yeah. he was kissing all the children and. <laughs> and, and whatnot. I mean, in this day and age, I don't think that a politician could even kiss babies anymore. Don't um, well, I don't think in this particular day and age, with the corona and everything, I don't think going around kissing young children would necessarily go over well with their parents. Well, he was a pre There was a lot of news about it. I'm not going to name names, but goddamn, they were. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I mean, I would be. You're right, Brandon. They, some of these people have been around. There have been some sea changes in the particular platforms of the groups in the past century. There definitely have. It's like for all his flaws, and God knows there were many. <laughs> Nixon did it, signed the EPA into law. So I give the man props for that. Yeah, there have been some things that have happened that have been surprising if you look at them strictly according to, you know. So, yeah, the idea that Fred uh, might uh, be his own man, if you will, mm-hmm. does seem fully believable in the context of this film. <laughs> And, uh, and, and I do like, you know, he does make the very valid point that his opponent has been in office for 12 years and hasn't really done a heck of a whole lot for the, you know. So he does make some very valid points. <laughs> when, he, when he calls out the spending, yeah. uh, get some for a minute there. Yeah, I know. Bradley has trouble holding it. I mean, he has trouble holding his own in any sort of debate. (laughs) (laughs) And I encourage people to uh, get the DVD copy of it. Those extras, Mm. there's not a ton of them, but there are some fun ones. Like, those political cartoons from the campaign that just came to It's like, you know, it's just like, it's just this, and then it goes there. Has a lot of money, and then it yes. goes like this, and it has a lot of money. And the actual <laughs> campaign. So we talked about this actual campaign. He actually, to promote the film, he and John O'Brien went into a campaign where he went up against this out-of-stater who apparently was a carpetbagger trying to move to Vermont because it would be easier to win. 
and this tampa this cartoon brain is talking about is like it's showing all this kind of like countrified this sort of fred tuttle from the film basically and then his opponent has a lot of money has a lot of money has a lot of that's all they have to say about the guy has a lot of money. <laughs> and i like i loved how in real life he beat his opponent and then immediately endorsed his rival and still won a quarter of the vote <laughs> and apparently he and uh Leahy, i think was his rival actually campaigned together they actually campaigned together that's it that's in that's inspiring. I wish we would see more of that. <laughs> you know? was a, well, that's how it used to be done. The Republican yeah. and the Democratic uh, ones would campaign together, and you literally would do check mark with each one what they had to offer, and you would pick the best one out of the two. Does uh, anyone else here think that Fred Tuttle looks like the animated character in Pixar's opera? <laughs> yes. Yeah, a lot of it. <laughs> have a, you should have had a dog. School. <laughs> you know what? Actually, though, that is one failing. I don't think I saw a single squirrel in this whole trilogy. Nobody and saw. Yeah, there are lots of squirrels in Vermont, right? Oh. <laughs> yeah. So what was it? You saw a lot of cats. You did see there we go. That's what happened. <laughs> All the cats. There was a particular moment that I thought that was very beautiful, uh, where where Fred Tuttle was walking down the autumn leaves tra uh, trail, and then the uh, the black cat uh, just kind of slowly followed behind in the distance. That right. that was a very beautiful shot. Right. There were some good uses of cats in these films. I will say that. Nature in this film. Well, yeah, but yeah, that just makes it all the more surprising. There were no squirrels. It really does. <laughs> I think like the first half of the movie is basically it just building up. Like he still has, you know, he's well behind this dude in the poll percentage, but it's like you know, obviously more than you would think like a joke candidate would have. It's in like the twentieth percent or something like that. Yeah, um, and he keeps talking about, well, it must be computer. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think I'm doing that good. Uh, but then it starts gaining steam, you know? Like, one favorite part of the movie, for me, for sure, is where they're just getting the random people on camera saying why they, like, are going to vote for Fred. And some of them are pretty great answers, and then there's just that one guy that was like, I was drunk. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, uh, when they were doing the poll sh uh, shit, uh, apparently uh, he won one uh, uh, one by one vote. Yeah, one vote. A bottle of yeah. diet, a bottle of moxie. Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, moxie's awesome. I, I like the drink. I need to try that. I can't. I don't believe I ever have. Pleasant's <laughs> Hardware sells it, okay. and uh, Pleasant's Hardware sells it. If you're so you're not a fan, Dan? No, it's disgusting. It's a medicinal flavor. Now I admit diet moxie, which is what he was drinking, must taste terrible. I just can't imagine a diet version of that drink. So, um, yeah, you do get a lot of those regional drinks, so I can't remember if I've had moxie or not. I remember when Go ahead. birch beer I love birch was only beer. available 
in those areas. It's you hard can to get, get it, it in places like Vermont and Pennsylvania yeah. and places. And the first time I ever had it was in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, I know, uh, well, I know here, here black bear soda is uh, is uh, more important because that's for, uh, from Oak Creek, uh, like right next to uh, Milwaukee. And uh, mm. uh, I'm on that verge of Milwaukee and Oak uh, Creek where you'll actually see black bear being sold. But, you know, mm. <laughs> that's our local. Yeah, we have Henry Weinhardt, but here. they also make beer, which I've drank a fair amount of. Mm. But yeah, the um, the whole thing of that one guy, they spent some time talking to that guy about how he he wasn't really sure which one he was going to vote for. But then he found that moxie bottle by the side of the road, and that was the sign of who he was going to vote for. Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like that. <laughs> apparently, the scene where um, he, uh, he is told that, uh, that he should... Uh, uh, um, fa- uh, uh, speak more eloquently. Woman who who apparently speaks very clearly. Very and clear. the, the whole that whole scene uh, seems to be a running gag with uh, with, with the locals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think was, I think it was in our last discussion that we brought up. Uh, 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 um, um, Doolittle, Eliza Doolittle, and the um, My Fair Lady. But this definitely has a little bit of that My Fair Lady vibe. Yeah. She's got that British accent. And she's trying to teach him to pronounce Tuttle. Smooth as butter. butter. Smooth as butter. Yes. There's a word for it. He uses it. It's like that fancy way of speaking, you know. Mm-hmm. There's I'm the, yes. I'm the extras of this uh, uh, DVD. There is actually yeah. a talent show. I think that uh, yes, that, yes, um, um, yes. Did a great job. <laughs> what they have is a man dressed up in a in <laughs> as a woman playing the uh, the late uh, the lady, and then they got a man, a young man. Uh, doing an impression of Freddie, mm-hmm. and he actually does a pretty damn good job of impersonating him. He does a good job impersonating the lady. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's kind of an interesting scenario. That's why. Uh, uh, that's why I th- uh, th- uh, think that it, it seemed like it was like a running gag. Uh, that whole scenario, just kind of making. Uh, uh, at first, uh, I thought it was like making fun of him, but uh, but you know, in, in a sense, I guess he, it was. He needs but, to know uh, how to say your name, Fred Tuttle. Fred Tuttle. It sounds like you're saying Fred Tuttle. You look like you had something to say there, Dan. Oh no! I'm just saying, everyone in this area, if, if you're around one person that talks like that, it all comes right back, and you start yeah. like that. I'm not even. I can really come around other people that are talking that way. <laughs> it happens with me if I drink, and like my Canadian relatives are down. I know what you. I know what you mean because um, actually, Brandon and I met uh, at school in Salem, Virginia. I spent a long time in Salem. I stayed there a long time after graduating. And when I'm in Salem, I talk differently than I do here in Richmond. It's just, yeah, you're right. When you're around certain people, you talk a certain way. And it just is very, 
it's interesting uh, the way that can go sometimes. But we oh, uh, took like third grade or some shit to get rid of the the Canadian accent as a kid, man. So it's well, it's it's down there. It's buried under the yeah. surface, you know. Just like process, it's more like process, you know. I wonder how much of this is like, like you know, there are certain points in your life that are uh, very much. Uh, I guess you could say your more developmental phase and you pick up things a little more easily, they get ingrained or whatever. I mean, I was born in Kentucky. I haven't lived there for most of my life, but I was born there. So I probably have a little bit more of a countrified accent than I've noticed it in the past. It does show up now and then. When I'm in Salem, it shows up a lot more than it does here, typically. But every now and then. <laughs> I mean, there's science behind it. Yes. Uh, a person's personality does not fully develop until they reach age 25. Right. Personality can change extremely slowly after that, but really and truly, you can only quickly change your personality between those ages, those teenage years when you're really doing forming it, and then between mm-hmm. maybe your late teens and early 20s is when you really finalize your personality. So going around makes sense. <laughs> my accent, which is many people say I don't have one, but I have a lot of people who say I have more of a southern bent accent. But it's a it's an accent that I've had I picked mm-hmm. up things from there than my time in Emporia, which I mm-hmm. learned a lot of things. People used to say when I was talked to them was like a uh, how'd you learn uh, that that phrase? Like, well, it's because I've been doing therapy with people who speak <laughs> all day, and it's you know. But you pick it up. Then once you turn twenty five or a little older, then you start to have it starts to be slower to build. Like you know, in my time in Richmond, uh, I mean, I don't sound anything like a Richmonder. <laughs> well, even though uh, I will say I've been to where he grows up and. Uh, I would say you don't sound like someone that lives in the hills either. <laughs> only when I'm angry. No, come back. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, the. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, that definitely has those moments. <laughs> but um, I don't know what's going to make. I can't remember. Um, I think it's kind of like towards the middle portion of the movie where his poles start picking up and they get just about neck and neck, you know, and the other guy starts getting nervous. Nervous. And and the whole movie, Fred keeps like challenging him to these debates, right? And they have to do a couple of like at least one public speaking appearance. That's one of my favorite parts too, where Fred shows up. He's like, "Yeah, Kermit was supposed to be out, but I guess I'll just give this speech on my own or whatever." And uh, what is it he says about his plan? He's like, I'm Fred Tuttle, and I'm a man with a plan. And the plan might not be that good, but uh, how exactly does he word that? Oh, I don't remember exactly. He basically <laughs> says it's, it, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it, it could be a shitty plan, but why not, you know? But a little bit, a little bit before that debate, he's got his townsfolk around him, asking them questions and stuff, and they give him this book of answers. Uh, 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 just to read overnight, and he's like, "I'm not going to 
read that overnight. Oh, when he's talking with them about that, that's an And I love how uh, how he's like, well, like uh, 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 the narrator's like, well, uh, well, now he's uh, uh, now he's hired a chauffeur, and it's his father, <laughs> and uh, he's obviously a man who's probably hasn't driven in years. He probably and then and, and you still you see that because it took them a long time to figure out how to get away from. Didn't he like almost drive into the house? Well. And then, like, they tried to oh, out how to that reminds me. In the very beginning, um, he, there's that scene where the car, a car door won't shut. Right. And everyone <laughs> opens. <laughs> and finally, he just locks the other uh, door. Yeah, that was fun. That was good time. The long horse, that's like another. <laughs> comedy thing, I guess you could call it, where there's that horse that's like <laughs> literally two horses, but they make it look like it's one. Oh, yeah, where he's approaching the barn and the horses, yeah. Later, he's got like a straight-up fishing rod that he's feeding people those fucking pamphlets out the window while he's going down the highway and shit. The environmentalist in me cried foul when he went up in a plane and literally rained pamphlets down on the countryside. But I will admit that's one way to do it. But, <laughs> My favorite parts, man. But, um, I, did, I did like the... Um, I did like the... Uh, what was I going to say? The, um, of course, that coward. The part when, they, when the reporter came... Courtesy, Mr. Blatchley. Uh, the report, the one who ended up holding up the barn. <laughs> when he first appeared, he was like, "I'm from Smear Magazine." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh my god, that should have been a red flag right there. <laughs> well, and then, and then he's asking them all these really bad questions. What's up? He's the same guy, uh, guy who ends up coming back and setting up that uh, orgy. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> and basically, so well, I photograph, trying to photograph it at any rate. So basically, you have the. Um, so this guy comes up from Smear Magazine, and he's asking all these clearly Smear questions. And first, just interview, just like, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Did did you ever were you ever unfaithful to your wife? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And he says all this stuff, and then like, and the guy has all this stuff, and then he tricks him into holding up the bar. Yeah. <laughs> the guy, he was having, he, you could see like the gleam in his eye, like, oh my god, I've got this guy. And then he holds, hey, could you help me with the? <laughs> and then, like, you don't really feel like it's malicious on Fred's part. I don't really know if he intended to leave him there. But yeah, later when he comes down after the bar fall, the barn falls, he's like, "What the hell? How <laughs> <laughs> happened?" Yeah, I, I was sure I got dropped up there. I, you got to love the intelligence of that dog later on. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> He's got his mindset on taking a piss, and the uh, the dog just uh, uh, just comes up. He opens up the cam uh, camera, and then he <laughs> he takes the ca uh, camera film out of it. Yes. Yes. 
It, it was great. That, that whole thing with the mo- with the women was great when they tried to set yeah. it up. It seemed really friggin' tame, though. I, I have to say, oh. it seemed really friggin' tame. Yeah. It's I mean, just by like, standards. It I looked mean. like they recreated what an old man from that time probably thinks an orgy would be. Huh. Right. You know? Well, I mean, like, if you ask Fred in his innocent old man mind, that's probably what he would think an orgy is, is, oh. like, ladies dancing around. And... They didn't exactly, uh, uh, exactly, um, uh, uh, go beyond the toga stage, did they? So, yeah. oh, <laughs> I was thinking like, uh, what was the what was the movie? Um, gosh, uh, Wicker Man. I don't know why oh, you see Wicker Man <laughs> or uh, that other one that they did recently. The old one, right? Man. Mm-hmm, the old one. I think it was right. the other one. Like, uh, gosh, what was the uh, the one? Um, Gosh, the uh, one about the um, the swing. yeah, it's the one that came out this past year. Um, gosh, what was it? The drug trip movie. Yeah, um, midsummer. Midsummer. Yes, midsummer. Yeah, it also reminded me a little bit of something like they would do. Really, <laughs> my favorite. Yeah. Before they before they kill you. <laughs> and I think it was shortly before this, like. Once they get neck and neck, he has that Blackley guy, like, straight shook. And the dude's, like, having <laughs> dreams about fucking Fred in the night. Like, that's one of my favorite fucking moments is where that Blackley guy wakes up after that Fred dream where he's, like, it's all the laughing and him swinging on the swing and yeah. the weird fades and stuff. <laughs> uh, like, just how can you have, like, some horrifying night terror about Fred? But he was coming for it, you know? Yeah. And, and honestly, you know, the whole plan gets hatched to like we gotta fuck this guy over, uh, so they try to frame him up for an orgy, you know, to discredit him. Obviously, that doesn't end up working out. And yeah, I mean, you think about the time that this took place, and this was probably about the time that they were trying to frame Clinton for the same basic thing. And I mean, come on, you know, Clinton, Fred Tuttle. I mean, come on, if Clinton can get away with it. <laughs> I don't know, but Jay in the Oval Office is a little different than Hilltop Orgies with cult members, so. <laughs> you could spend that in a lot of ways. I'm sure Gingrich and Co. were <laughs> saying the same thing about Clinton. Mm-hmm. In fact, yeah. I know they were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> owl parties in the forest or whatever. Uh, oh, yeah. Lots of those. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Fred was on that level of politics yet. Were <laughs> there any special effects in this film? Were there now? Many. The whole car scene. The whole car scene was a special effect in a way because having the doors open, Charlie Chaplin yes. style. <laughs> that area where he drives the car into the into the bridge and then comes out the other end with the horses. Which <laughs> does come back to a uh, which does come back to an interesting little tidbit in the films where in the real life the uh, of course one of the main characters, one of the older characters had said that yeah he had gotten a car in the early nineteen hundreds but used a, but preferred using a horse and buggy all the way up until nineteen seventeen. I think it's like, how old are these people that are doing well, I, I like the 
fact that uh, that when he actually did go to Washington, he actually did ride into town on a horse and buggy. Exactly. I like the shot of him on his lunch break, sitting down and getting out the budget and reading. <laughs> I thought that was great. I was like, oh, look at the guy who's taking his job seriously. <laughs> well, and, okay, we can't gloss over the amazing stunt of the movie because we got more visual effects with the long horse right there. I, I think that would qualify. True. Uh, you know, compared to the first movie, this is a fucking special effects extravaganza right here. Uh, and then we got Fred performing one of the most impressive stunts I've seen in recent movie viewing, where he launches off of that <laughs> into that pile of leaves. And it's not a clean dismount. I got I got another little criticism there. Okay, Fred, you could have put a little bit more, a little bit more into it. But he still launched off and landed. And at his age, he might as well have been jumping the fountain, evil can evil style, dude. He stuck. Supposedly, he had, like, uh, a hip uh, surgery, like, supposedly, like, some time ago or whatnot. How do, how do you know he wasn't doing some evil Knievel show when he was younger? <laughs> I mean, just, just, that was, like, some evil Knievel shit. I mean, I hope they didn't ask him to do that, and that was just Fred being Fred, because <laughs> I don't know if I could have asked that adorable old man to Right. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, did anyone wa uh, uh, want to uh, say their favorite scenes? Come on, we're glossing over the end there, bud. He he won the shit. He did. I liked that where the guy pointed out that that one vote mattered. <laughs> yes. Uh, did you guys watch the post-credits scene where it shows him in his suit and shit, and sit, he's sitting in front of the house taking a dip? He sits down to have his lunch and he gets out the budget and he starts reading it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I love how he's got that red you know, like on him. That's and he's incredible. got the fishing pole, of course, with him. Yeah. Already, yeah. <laughs> he's got yeah. the overalls on, you know, <laughs> under the yeah. suit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, scene from this uh, or it could be a couple um, if you wanted uh, a couple of scenes from this uh, film what would it be? He found uh, it uh, I'm going to go yeah. ahead and say I'll go ahead and start with favorite scenes and I, I love that last scene because we just talked yeah. about it but it, it's, it's got to be my favorite scene because it just exemplifies everything in the movie yeah. the whole concept which is my favorite part of the movie, which is his campaign slogan, Why Not? <laughs> and that whole lunch, sitting there, reading the whole budget, it just, it throws it all together for me. Mm -hmm. It just, uh, it, it really was the best ending the movie could have had. It's mm -hmm. just one thing I did kind of mention, we, we, we did kind of gloss over, I guess we could say, is he talks about, like, he doesn't really want to leave Vermont at all. He is, he almost is very reticent about the possibility of winning because he doesn't want to leave Vermont. So this is definitely just underscores in that final scene the idea that, well, he is really taking this seriously, even though you kind of wondered if he was. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
uh, what about you, Jake? Uh, if there was a scene that you could take from this film, uh, what would it be? I do love that, and there are other moments I love, but I think my favorite part is probably the initial description of where they're trying to describe the job he needs, and they end up on the Senate because it's the one that <laughs> checks all the boxes. <laughs> uh, what about you, Dan? Um, uh, I don't know. I, there's something about the scene where he, they talk about he has a $16 budget for, you know, his oh, yeah. and he's, in, he's, oh, yeah. he's in the car doing, like, donuts with the on top of the roof. <laughs> Just has his name on it. I, I, I forgot about that. I love that. He talks about he railed against the pack donations that all the other stuff got. And it was apologetic that he got a pack donation from the Boy Scouts. <laughs> it was like a $16 donation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was great. What about you, Mo? Uh, what, uh, if there was a scene that you could take from this movie, what would it be? Oh man, you know it's it's again it's it's one of those things where there's just so so much good stuff packed into it, but it's hard for me to really narrow it down to like a definitive favorite scene. If I had to pick one, probably where he's like transition there with the news reporter. He's like, you know, he says that he's still not sure it's right, but he's digging himself a pretty big hole or whatever. <laughs> and then you think that saying it like figuratively right but then it comes over and it shows him he's just doing that good old man speak like i don't know it's good digging though <laughs> like, that, that's one of my favorite parts of the whole thing is where he's like it's good digging though like it's easy going so far he hasn't hit any rocks but it's just it's it it just i don't know the the whole thing that it means to to him in his mind like the statement that he's making with it is pretty cool the yeah. fact that he thinks that we can dig ourselves out of the national debt. Might as well dig our way to China. <laughs> well, actually, that, that, that whole, like I said, that was actually a grave for a horse. Believe it or not. So, oh, so he's for real helping it. someone dig a hole like it wasn't just a hole yeah. they dug for the movie? They're, they're actually doing a whole That makes that horse, so much better to me, dude. <laughs> <laughs> He's out there digging a horse hole. It did have the dimensions. I've seen people bury plenty of horses, and that's, uh, you know, <laughs> it's a large hole for a reason. Uh, yeah. Damn, yeah, that's that just makes that even more special to me. <laughs> actually, like, out there pushing elbow grease, helping some other farmer dig a horse hole, you know? Right. Oh, yeah. Um,. I guess um, my favorite is, is scene is that whole um, scene, uh, scene where she's trying to make him eloquently speak his name. I mean, uh, to me, that, uh, that's, yeah. that, that's kind of priceless. To, uh, to my fair lady scene. Dang <laughs> <laughs> It did have a little but uh, in any case, uh, let's see. Uh, what about the music that was involved? So definitely give a shout out to the music, no doubt about it. This one was really heavy on like the Susan marches and that sort of thing, but it also had some other good music in it too. Uh, it hit the best world of both worlds for me of like the political music that you think of and then like 
also that countrified good shit that we got little taste of in the first one, but it was definitely better off. It felt more polished this time around. Yeah, the whole movie did. I mean, yeah. If I were to look at these and rank them artistically, musically, and uh, artistically as far as visuals and just mm-hmm. the effectiveness of things, I would put this... Actually, I would put this one right in the middle <laughs> of the three. Entertainment value, this one is the best one, in my opinion. Probably the yeah. best written. But just pure art value, yeah. The, the middle, yes. Apparently, the guy behind the music uh, sound mixing department of this film was actually done by Roger Stouse. And he's actually done some stuff with Sesame Street. Um, uh, behind the sound street uh, uh, department of that. Um He's done stuff on the Chappelle show. Um, and uh, um, uh, a few things on Comedy Central. Um, so um, I guess that's something that goes for this film. I think that's kind of unique. Uh, yeah, that's cool. That he went on to do some of these th- uh, things afterwards. So, but, uh, in any case, um, what about you, Dan, what do you think about the music there? I mean, uh, I mean, I love the, the music in all three of them. I think it's, it's perfect. You know, it really, it sums up the feeling of the visuals on the screen, really. It goes hand in hand. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. It works very well. It's, uh, I think, honestly, both the first two movies, some, you know, obviously, I'm sure the third one, to some extent, can be said that, you know, I think the the soundtrack actually kind of makes a lot more of the movie than maybe we're giving it credit for because you know the, it, it is right there and it contributes directly to that whole overall vibe that you're getting from them, you know. Uh, Definitely. And I think that that works especially well in this one compared to the first one, and that you know the I don't know I don't know enough about like politics to know what political music is but I you kind of know it when you hear it kind of thing or like stuff that you associate with like old timey politics and shit and there's a fair amount of that in there mixed in with other stuff I think musically one of my favorite moments is at some point they have like a band with like a stand up bass or some type of violin or whatever right. and, uh, uh, I do want to make one more comment on the music. This is not actually from the film itself, but from the bonus features. One of the really cool bonus features they have is a song called A Memory of Fred by the Starlight Rhythm Boys. Uh, it's co-written by, let's see, written by Billy Bratcher of the group. And they did that. It was a bonus feature. Because like, he, of course, passed before the DVD came out. And they had this thing. It's basically just a slideshow of, of, of Fred Tuttle oh, images yeah. with this song. And it's a great song. It really is. And I just, I love that. I love that, watching that. I was like, that was a great bonus feature. And, um, of course, you know, it, it was a nice little addition to this one, definitely. <laughs> How much does this set run for? I mean, uh, it's been mentioned that it's expensive. Uh, they're a little bit over. Uh, yeah. then, uh, how much the set, uh, uh, the set runs for? Well, I'm going to use for about 70, so. <laughs> there you go. I got I mean, a little under 70, so yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And then, what do I gotta do with setting up a trade for those other two VHS players? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have the DVDs either. I just have the VHS. Oh. I have a couple of DVDs. I don't have the playing DVD. That's the only one I'm missing. So, uh, mm-hmm. well, one day, right? <laughs> well, you know what I thought was interesting? That Fred actually had a stunt double. <laughs> Yeah, how, how do you feel about this there? What the fuck? Don't tell me that goddamn uh, set mistake. <laughs> Baxter Dottie. God oh, damn it. <laughs> Fred. Damn it. So Dan, what do you say? what do you say I order you the the man with the plan DVD and you ship me the, the two tapes I need? That sounds like yeah, I gotta find them again, but yeah, <laughs> I can I can hook uh, you up. Let's hook it up. See, history meter here. I need him. Uh, this one is just amazing, you know. And I've always had it on VHS thanks to Dan, so might as well get the other two on there and enjoy it that way until eventually the more economical set comes out. Let's, you know, try to get the ball rolling on that, too. Well, like I said, maybe, maybe given the, uh, the, the, what we've been here in the last couple of days with the other films we've done, maybe, uh, Maybe this one will get a shout or Kino or Criterion. Yeah. You know, one of them will get on it. Lord Juju keeps working. I would love to see Criterion get this trilogy, but I, I want to talk more on that when we cover the last one because it seems right. like a good finale to just talk about yeah. the whole the set as a whole. Really, at the end of it all, because I really do think yeah. that we should talk about the trilogy as a whole at the yeah. end. Yeah, yeah, um, oh, for sure. We'll leave the section for that in the end. But uh, on that note, uh, ladies and gentlemen, hopefully you enjoyed our ramblings on this discussion. I think that's all, uh, all that we have for uh, uh, this film. But definitely check the film out. Oh, hold up, hold up. I think we he should passed, take a moment. He passed, in, uh, he passed in 03, apparently. Uh, yeah, I think, and then I think that's when they would like the second movie or the third movie came out. Yeah, shortly after it. Yeah. yeah, I think we should take a moment to say thanks to Fred and to just address how awesome it is that this little old man from Vermont with his cane now lives forever with all of these people <laughs> enjoying these movies because he'll never be really dead uh, once you experience it. He just becomes. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's an entity into his own, so there, there it is. Thanks, Fred. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Dave. I just oh, not a um, So, um, um, uh, normally at this point we go into what uh, 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 who we are uh, within the cast, but I think I'll save that for the, uh, the last film um, uh, discussion. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. We are no one. We are Fred. <laughs> we are the inside moves of the Lord. So, uh, thank you for listening. Have a nice, a great day, evening, or morning, wherever you are. Thank you for watching and uh, like, share, and subscribe. Thank you so much uh, for checking this uh, film out with us. Mm-hmm. You are under arrest. No, it wasn't me. It was the one-armed man. All right, I confess. I did it, you hear? And I'm glad. God, I tell you! What are they gonna do to me, Sarge? What are they gonna do? Sorry, son. That's not my department.
mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you.